It's filled with students. You don't know any of their names. You don't know what you're teaching. You don't know what's going on, and you have no lesson plan. And everything is just going nuts in the classroom, and you wake up in a cold sweat. I also discovered soon after ordination that there's such thing as a deacon dream. So after I was ordained and sent here to St. Tom's, I was sleeping one night, and I had this dream that I was in the sacristy of some church. I don't even know where it was. And the priest turned to me and said, do you have the book of Gospels? And I said, no. So I went downstairs in this long stairway, and I found the book of Gospels, and I raced back up. Mass was about to begin, and I realized I didn't have any vestments on. And the priest turned to me and said, I'm looking forward to hearing your homily today. And I realized I wasn't supposed to preach, and I didn't have anything prepared. And I woke up in a cold sweat. Now, psychologists say that this happens for a reason. Our subconscious knows what's going to happen in our life, or is predicting it, sort of, and is preparing us for the events that are about to happen. After all, I was about to have that first um, experience of preaching at St. Tom's, and we are about to have that first day of school, and so our subconscious is preparing us for that experience. And we kind of get that sense with Joseph today, except it wasn't his subconscious that was preparing him for what was about to happen. It was God himself who was preparing him. God spoke through an angel, this divine intervention, to let Joseph know what was about to happen. And this is characteristic of St. Matthew's Gospel. In his Gospel, he actually tells six different dream stories that carry the narrative. And he's the only one of the four evangelists that mentions dreams at all. But Joseph had one. He had an angel appear to him that said that his wife was going to give birth to the Savior, Emmanuel, God is with us. And so this weekend, we get to hear this infancy narrative, according to Matthew. Now, an infancy narrative means a description in the gospel about how the birth of Jesus came to happen. And neither Mark nor John's gospel says anything at all about the infancy of Jesus. In both of those Gospels, we start right off with a baptism of Christ. He's already 30 years old. But in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel, we get a glimpse into how this actually happened. But there's a huge difference. In Luke's Gospel, it's all of chapter 1 and about half of chapter 2, 100 verses that tell the entire story of Christmas through the eyes of Mary, we read about the, the uh, appearance of Gabriel, the Annunciation to Mary, about Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country, about the trip to Bethlehem, the shepherds, them uh, presenting Jesus in the temple. All of that happens in Luke's gospel. But in Matthew's gospel, the entire infancy narrative is seven verses at the end of chapter one. And you just heard the entire narrative in the gospel that I just read. And probably most importantly, Matthew's narrative is told through the perspective of Joseph, not through Mary. And so if you put those two narratives together, they actually fit together great to tell the entire Christmas story. It's just that this one gives us a very different perspective when we hear about this dream that Joseph is having. And so in that dream, there are, in that dream sequence, there are four things that I think we can learn 
about Joseph that become important characteristics that you and I could manifest in our, our own lives. In other words, he serves an, as an example of, of characteristics that we could adopt. Let's talk about those four things. The first one is the gospel tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. Notice it does not say he was self-righteous. Because self-righteousness is not something we want in our, as a quality in our lives. Self-righteousness means we are absolutely convinced that we are morally superior to everybody else around us. And that's not what Joseph was like. Quite the opposite. He was objectively righteous. Now the Greek word for righteousness that is used here in Matthew's gospel is, a, is taken from the Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament that was used to describe Moses, Elijah, and Abraham. So we're not talking about just a good man here. We're talking about a holy man. Someone who put the will of God at his focal point at all times. His job in life was to love God and then to allow that to spill over into his love for neighbor. Remember when Jesus was asked, what's the most important of the commandments? And Jesus says, love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's exactly the kind of man that Joseph was. And I think that that is a good opportunity for us to think about in our own lives. You know, in that second reading, St. Paul says, we are called to holiness. Joseph was clearly, surely, a very holy man that we could emulate in our own lives. The second characteristic we see is that Joseph was merciful. We know he was merciful because, well, think about this story. He is betrothed to Mary, which means he was engaged to her. But it wasn't engagement like we know it today. When you were betrothed to somebody, you were essentially already legally married to them. So in today's world, it would not be unusual, although it's rare, for an engagement to be broken off. But back in those times, if they decided to break off an engagement, they would actually have to get a bill of divorce because they are already considered legally married. So Joseph and Mary are already married. It's just that they haven't gone through that part of the celebration yet where she comes to live in his home. And then he discovers she's pregnant. And he knows that before the angel appears to him. The gospel tells us so. And so he looks at this situation, and he knows he's not the father. So his reaction is going to be, you know what? I'm afraid to turn her over to the authorities here, because he knew the law. He was a righteous man. And the law said that if she committed adultery outside of that marriage, then she would be stoned to death. And so his responsibility as a good Jew would have been to return her to her father, divorce her, and then she would be stoned to death. But instead, what he decides to do is to divorce her quietly, to let her go, so that the actual father would appear, marry her, she would have a child, and nobody would ever know any different. And so he is trying to spare her. In his mercy, he forgives her totally, because he loves Mary so much that he's not going to let her be put to shame. He's going to make sure she's taken care of. And St. John Chrysostom said she did, he didn't just decide to divorce her. He decided to divorce her quietly, which means he didn't tell anybody what was going on. He wanted to make sure that she was completely protected. And so he forgave her in his mercy. And again, we are called to emulate that mercy that Joseph showed to Mary.
Then the angel of God appears to him in the dream. And the angel explains to him what actually happened. And thereby comes the third characteristic, which is trust. Joseph totally trusts the angel. God says, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit is involved here. She's going to give birth to the Savior. It's going to be okay. And in fact, the angel Gabriel, we know from Luke's gospel, appeared to Mary and told her the same thing. The Holy Spirit is involved here. It's going to be okay. And Joseph doesn't push back. He just says, okay. He trusts it. Totally trusts it. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. On your own intelligence, do not rely. In all your ways, be mindful of him, and he will make straight your paths. Here's a throwback. Remember three weeks ago when we started Advent? And we heard from Isaiah chapter 40. And it said that during the season of Advent, our job is to make straight our paths. Three weeks later, we find out how to do that. The book of Proverbs says, to make straight our paths, we need to trust in the Lord. And that's what Joseph does. He totally trusts that what's going on in his life has a reason, has a purpose, and he moves forward. And that brings us to the fourth characteristic, which is notice how when Joseph wakes up, he acts immediately. It says, as soon as he woke up, he took Mary into his home and made, him, made her his wife, and he moved on. It doesn't say when he awoke, he took a few weeks to think about it. When he awoke, he decided to take a couple of months and discuss it with his friends and try to decide what he's going to do here. Once the angel spoke to him, once his direction was clear, he acted on it right away. And we notice the same thing in Mary. When Mary, the mother of God, is visited by the angel Gabriel. Remember, as soon as Gabriel leaves her, it says that she, with haste, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country. She didn't wait around. She didn't mess around at all. She didn't want to delay what was going on in her life. God had called her to a mission, and she's ready to move. And so you and I need to be ready to move, too. When God speaks to us and says, this is the direction I'd like for you to move, this is what I'd like for you to do with your life, we need to move forward with that without delay, following what Joseph did. This is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. It's a nice long Advent this year. We have a week to enjoy it before Christmas comes along. And during that week, what I would invite you to do is take a little bit of time to read the two infancy narratives. They're great reading and great reflection for this last week. And they're pretty short. The infancy narrative of Luke is chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. And Matthew is just what I read today at the very end of chapter 1. Read those two narratives. Kind of put the pieces together and say, take some time to pray, pray about those. And when we do that, let's take some time to reflect on those four characteristics of Joseph that we are called to emulate. To work on our own righteousness, our own holiness, to work on our forgiveness of others, our willingness to forgive and our mercy that God calls us to, to share, our trust that God is in charge of our lives, and our willingness to move ahead right away without delay when he calls us. During these last few days of Advent, we take time to slow down 
and prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ, just like Joseph and Mary did in that last week before Christmas as they were journeying toward Bethlehem, thinking about all that was about to unfold in their lives. This week, listen to God in your prayer and in your dreams.